Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, coming uh, from parts unknown. Justin Clue in the in the Dexter New Blood uh, cabin is what it looks like for the good Showtime <laughs> folks over there. Justin of Baseball Prospectus. Justin, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good. You know, this is the time of year where Phillies fans all are kind of like serial killers in some <laughs> form or another. So, you know, it's an it's an apt description. I think that's fair. Well, and you can attest to this. Um, the Phillies should be ashamed of themselves uh, not winning 100 games and then it, having the audacity to advance uh, over uh, the likes of my Atlanta Braves, uh, the New York Mets, the teams that actually spent the better part of the year playing good baseball, mm. unlike a certain Philadelphia franchise that elected to save the best for last. And look, you could go back to the 88 win Braves last year, but we're not going to do that in this podcast. We're not right. going to we're not going to say that that's the way to do things, but uh, many people are saying that the Phillies uh, should be ashamed of themselves for uh, what they're what they're actually doing, Justin. But if you'd explain it to someone who has not watched Phillies baseball all season long, how are they doing this right now? Why are they in the NLCS? Why is this one one and they're favored uh, going into game three with Rangers Suarez in the mound? Well, uh, in the case of the Braves and Mets, neither one of them started the year with Joe Girardi managing them. Mm -hmm. which I think was in the end a boon for the Phillies. It was like a, a, a problem for them to fix two months into the season and immediately start winning. I would have been doubtful that that would have had such an impact, but we can all look back and see that's literally what happened. You know, you can't say that that wasn't a big reason uh, the Phillies turned it around in early June. And uh, yeah, for, for a while there, they were one of the most unstoppable teams in baseball. Again, mm -hmm. completely unexpectedly, would not have guessed that. Uh, and they faltered near the end of the regular season. But yeah, this version of the Phillies is honestly a version I don't think we've even seen before, even when they were playing some of their best baseball. This is the best baseball they've, they've played all year. And it's still kind of a version of that same kind of baseball in that the defense is not a strength. Uh, the pitching can be an issue. And there's, there's a lack of depth that I credited the Braves with having, that I credited the Mets with having. The Phillies just do not have, but... Turns out they didn't need it, which has been which has been great. So, yeah, I think uh, what you've seen lately is them um, capitalizing on having Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola at the top of their rotation, at having Bryce Harper finally see a resurgence after coming back from his thumb injury, partially fueled by facing the very guy that caused that that thumb injury, I'm sure, uh, and uh, seeing a top-down kind of comprehensive approach from their offense. Uh, you know, I think Kyle Schwarber was the last guy to not have a big hit in the postseason, and then he came through with the longest home run in Petco Park history in game one of the NLCS. So, yeah, I, I feel like you're just seeing a lot of stuff come together, a lot of uh, a full the teams at full strength, and they finally uh, they have a manager in there uh, who's not perfect, who has a flawed decision-making process, but I think has a decision-making process that adheres more to the players on the team and just creates an environment where they're able, they're able to play at the top of their game. So Girardi was that bad. It was one of those where he was actually harming the team because it's so hard to figure out whether or not managers, what kind of role managers actually still play in modern baseball. But there was enough that you saw that Philly fans saw that it was like, no, he was actually detrimental because I think that's the, the main thing. It's like, I'm not sure if Brian Snicker is a good manager for the Braves. 
I just know he's fine. Like, that's it. It's like you can win a title with him. He's definitely good at managing uh, all the various egos and just getting collective buy-in. The vibes are good. Uh, that's clear. That's a good thing. It's a long season. Uh, Dusty Baker is probably the best at this. Of just it doesn't matter what you think of Dusty Baker. Everyone likes Dusty Baker and players like being around him. So it's good to have him in your clubhouse. Um, I... I don't know. Like it, for you, was Girardi that much of a negative differential, or was it just uh, some luck that happened in here? Because Thompson just got an extension, and now you're like, oh, it was all Joe Girardi's fault, or was it actually more? And if you had just kept Joe Girardi, would this run have not happened? There's nothing uh, that's wrong with a baseball team that's just one person's fault. I feel mm-hmm. like that's that's got to be made clear up front. Uh, when you fire a manager, it's you know it's not even typically the move that you need to make. It's just a move you can make. Mm. It's a move you can make in the middle of the season, at the end of the season, to show fans like, okay, we realize something is wrong, or but we're not prepared to make a lot of personnel changes. But this is like a big one, and it's a dramatic one, and theoretically it could change you know the culture of the team and all that. But we also have seen plenty of legitimate arguments that managers don't impact games very often. Like numerically, the number mm. of games that, that they impact throughout the season is actually pretty small. And their in-game decisions wind up not being that important. Obviously, in the postseason, I think that's a little different. So when you talk about vibes, uh, I honestly am out of the mind the past few years that that's, that's the more critical role a manager yep. can play. Uh, if you're setting good vibes and a good culture in your locker room, then all the players, all you have to do is wait for the players who uh, who are a part of that culture to reach their ceilings. It's what Charlie Manuel did. Like we've been mm. looking for a Charlie Manuel uh, type success in the manager's role here in Philadelphia ever since Charlie was let go. Uh, and I think part of why he was so strong was he was, as everyone has said, a player's manager. He had great young players in his locker room. All he had to let them do was be comfortable enough to be who they were. Now, we have learned a lot more about who these Phillies are as people. And it's not all great. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that. Uh, but as baseball players, you, there's tons of star power in there. You got at least one superstar. You have plenty of household names. You have guys who, at the beginning of this year, weren't didn't have the level of production that uh, that their status would indicate. So you do start wondering, okay, we've changed out the manager twice. How many times can we do this and still act like this is the issue? Well, finally... They just found a manager that fit. You know, the mm. last three, what's well, funny, you mentioned it's been years since since uh, I've come on your show. Last mm. time we came on the show, I have a very distinct memory of us agreeing that Gabe Kapler was the best manager in the NL East at that moment. Ooh. Something, I didn't even think that at the time. It was more of a default argument yeah. of just like, there's not really any other choice. Yeah. But looking back, you know, Kapler was chosen. Best looking. <laughs> Certainly the best look, obviously mm-hmm. the best looking. Like, mm-hmm. come on, that was... I, I wish you could have won a World Series on handsomeness alone. The Phillies would have a dynasty by now. There but, you go. But uh, Kapler was chosen by an aggressively analytic and a GM with a certain blueprint in mind. Mm. Uh, Girardi was selected as kind of a counter to that. Where it was like, okay, this is, as opposed to a first-timer, let's bring in this known entity who's won a World Series, who's known for carrying around all these huge binders full of stats, but is also, you know, has a gut, has baseball instinct, and is like, oh, this is the perfect combination of those two things, and that's what we've been missing. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't what the Phillies were missing, turns out. What they were missing was a manager who could relate to his players, who the players liked, who the players wanted to play for, and every indication we got about Girardi's locker room was that things were very intense, things weren't very chatty, I guess you could say, uh, and I, I would be, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that he didn't really have much of a relationship with the players. I doubt mm. you're going to see them come out and blast him or anything. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to learn it was more of a Ryan Sandbergian kind of situation. Mm. 
so to finally have a guy in there who's been there for years, I think you're going to see a lot of people go, oh, Girardi was out, you know, lost his job to his own bench coach. But Thompson has been there before Girardi did. Mm. He has a relationship with a lot of these guys. And there was never a time when they were wearing shirts with Girardi's face on them. They were, they were excited to play for Girardi, where Bryce Harper was coming out saying, I ride with Billy Joe and all that. <laughs> None of that was happening. So I think you can take those as indications that, you know, maybe things weren't uh, untenable under Girardi, but they're certainly better under Thompson. And um, I think that goes back to the Charlie Manuel argument. You need a manager in there who the players are comfortable playing for, who they want to play for, and as a, you know, hopefully who they're excited to play for. Uh, and I think the Phillies finally have that. So as, as, uh, as debatable as some of Thompson's, I think decisions are going to be, you know, now and in the weeks ahead as the playoffs continue. I think you're still there's a reason the Phillies extended him, and that's because of the react the reaction his managerial tenure has gotten from the players on their team. Um, pro con about the matchup with San Diego well, coming into it. What was your biggest pro that uh, you felt pretty good about this matchup against the Padres, and what was the biggest con going into this series? The pro was that they weren't the Dodgers. Uh, I mm -hmm. had some friends staying with me uh, the night of that game. And when we got up the next morning, one of them, the first thing they said to me was the Padres won, which is what the outcome I would have been rooting for mm -hmm. and well, was rooting for. Um, but even if the Phillies weren't in the playoffs, um, mm -hmm. that was, yeah, that was a huge, because to me, the Dodgers were the final boss of the national league. They were, and also kind of fit into this narrative that the Phillies were sort of playing through their own playoff history to get to the World Series and an inevitable clash with the Yankees. And I thought that mm. would have been very satisfying and easy to write. Uh, but now the Padres kind of threw a monkey wrench into that by beating the Dodgers, which again, I'm, I'm very excited for. And I'm also just not very intimidated by them. I don't know if you saw the Padres fan video that was circulating the internet. Oh, the dads? <laughs> <laughs> the dads but, uh, with their song. I did see that, unfortunately, yes. I, I couldn't having, you know, having been a, a Philadelphia sports fan and attending yeah. tailgates and, you know, you know what, what we're about here and the vibes coming off this right. fan base. Quiet, uh, calm, collected. Post. Right. You know, yeah. chill, dorky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but seeing that video was uh, just solidifying that, like, I'm not super intimidated by the Padres. I respect mm -hmm. them and I think they're a very fun baseball team, but it's not as dangerous as having to play a Dodgers like team where they can just if they decide to step on your neck and then yeah. your fun little playoff run is over. Uh, but cons playing the Padres is that they're still the Padres. They're still an mm -hmm. excellent team with a lot of talent and depth. The Phillies don't have a lot of depth. They, they just don't. They, the, the offense has been at its deepest lately because guys have been healthy and they've all found uh, little ways to contribute at the very least. But uh, as we saw throughout the year, when they lose one of these guys, there's not a, you know, whole host of uh, stars waiting behind them. Like my mm -hmm. favorite example is your Braves, which is, mm -hmm. you know, one day we, oh, Acuna is hurt. So let's go ahead and take that MVP out of the lineup and slide in this rookie of the year candidate and he can just take his job. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's got to be against some kind of rule, I feel like, at the very least. No, I think uh, it's yeah, – I'm fair. <laughs> yeah, no. It's more I think there's, there's some kind of rule about having all the young talent uh, that you guys have that, that has now been locked up for the next decade. Yeah. That, that's that, – I figured that was illegal because no one else was doing it. But apparently you can just do that. It's incredible. Well, it, it is nice. Um, and then this, this summer we can just have the full-on Atlanta reunion where Zach Wheeler returns to Atlanta. <laughs> and you guys can have a – let me check my notes here – a Mike Soroka. Um, <laughs> more than fair. Wow. That's, You'll yeah, love him. You're very confident for mm -hmm. a team that is no longer playing baseball. <laughs> I mean, the banner flies forever, sir. That says 2021 right there. Um, and, like, I have a strong opinion on this of, like, once your team wins the title – 
the next like 10 years you're not allowed to complain like oh, yeah, 100 like fine. no complaining like it's it is what it is yeah it sucks that they lost in the way they did and especially to just a uh a, a rough nasty just phillies team that the audacity to take advantage of the new playoff rules and implications <laughs> there uh in year one just so philadelphia so hey, philadelphia we didn't make the rules but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll play by them i mean yeah. If you guys want to go zero and three against the Phillies in the playoffs, we can meet you there next year if you want. The two out singles was a little much for me. I, I couldn't handle it. I, I, that that was that was not not fun. Uh, I love not, all the the all hard the day games. Oh, the day games, the slap in the face day games, and the mm. uh, all the hard hit balls the Phillies yeah. had. I mean, those last two games was a lot more. Uh, I think of an offensive uh, pronouncement, but mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're, one of their specialties this season has been just clustering together a bunch of like weak loopers yeah they're, seeing, they're awful. seeing eye grounders that are mm-hmm. just slipping by these yeah. like all-star defenders mm-hmm. the nolan arenado just whiffing on a ground ball that was like why did that happen no yeah. one ever explained that like that's that seems impossible but mm-hmm. yeah, here, here we are <laughs> what i god I, we agree we hate the phillies um <laughs> what kind of player uh will bryson scott be uh stott will be uh i think they're going to probably move him to second base uh hmm. gene, gene segura is likely uh leaving in free agency after this season uh, i think the phillies see him as a, an integral part of their core moving forward i don't think it's a secret that they have had less than good luck uh good fortune and good decisions as far as player development goes certainly position player development goes coming from their farm system so How anybody going this, I think he was at the game. <laughs> Didn't he go to the, the NLCS game? He was sitting in the audience. And I was reminded by a mm-hmm. beat writer, oh, he gets a ring if the Phillies were to win the World Series. Does he really? Yeah, he does. So does Girardi. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You're uh, welcome, guys. Wow. Hey, I had no, I had no ill will towards Mickey Moniak. Uh, that, not at all. It's just, you know, he's just not the player. No. It wasn't even that he wasn't the player he he was uh, supposed to be. He, he was never supposed to be anything incredibly special too high yeah yeah it was just a part of a draft where there wasn't a bryce harper to to pick at Mm -hmm. the top so no ill will towards mickey but yeah uh stott is an example of the process you know sometimes working they're getting much better results out of alec bohm as well i think that's the Mm -hmm. influence of kevin long uh so that's great to see these young hitters i don't think bryson stott's going to be like a part of your home run brigade Certainly yeah. not uh, like he's not going to be in that group of power hitters that they they put the you know the top of their lineup. But he brings speed. He brings solid defense, uh, and he's uh, he's a great contact hitter. So I think that's that's his ceiling. I don't think he necessarily has to be an all star. He, he doesn't, certainly doesn't have to be like the the, the beating heart of the offense. They have mm-hmm. other guys to take on that job, and I think that's part of why that's that's part of the value of having all, all these free agents is that a the Phillies can afford them. And B, they kind of take the pressure off these younger guys to be the the kind of player that maybe maybe they're just not. You know, it's it's uh, you saw a lot of that with like um, uh, Michael Franco. He mm. was, I think, expected or positioned to be a player that he simply was not. And there was a brief moment where you saw him really take off. And that was right after they signed Bryce Harper and they rearranged the lineup and he wound up being the eight hole hitter. And for, for like a couple of weeks, at the beginning of the season, he just excelled. And it was like, oh, we just have because we have uh, more star power now uh, and these guys who can take on a bigger role in the offense, guys like Franco can just kind of have these like peripheral supporting jobs and perhaps excel. And for a second, you thought he was actually going to pull that off. But then unfortunately, you know, it just didn't work out, work out and the Phillies moved on. But I think that that concept still applies to, to their, uh, to their young hitters. So 
I think you're going to see that moving forward. And I think Stott's going to be a uh, part of the Phillies middle infield um, probably for the, for the long term. I'm concerned what that means for uh, noted Philly great defender, D. Gregorius, and hitter, too. Like, I don't know what – does it block him? Like, how does this development affect Dee? I think – I don't know where Dee is right now, but uh, – Waiting I on hope, his ring. He's I hope Girardi he's... and Mickey Moniak. They're all just – He's just leaping through a, a modern science textbook. Uh, learning about epidemiology. And, what if that uh, was it though? Like a Happy Gilmore situation where, like you know, it, <laughs> up in the sky, like you just see Dee, Joe Girardi, Mickey Moniak, the Mufasa. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They had to fail for the Phillies to rise. Um, the most underrated part of this team is what, Justin? Oh, honestly. In my instinctive response is the most underrated part of the Phillies is uh, is that they're the Phillies because mm. this is just nowhere where they were expected to be. Yeah, uh, I honestly was. We were going into this season with the you know the idea being is this or is this not a playoff team? It was as broad mm. a question as that, and nobody really thought too many steps ahead of that because the organization announced it's our goal to make the postseason. Like enough is enough. We've come in close. We've come close, but not close enough too many times this yeah. team is way too expensive from an ownership perspective to not make the postseason so i think they would have been happy to just get a third wild card spot spend a fun weekend in st louis <laughs> and then call it a winter but this team has outperformed those projections certainly outperformed my projections uh and i think there was a brief window between the wild card and then and the division series where i was like you know this is really good enough they not only did they make the playoffs but they won a playoff series and mm. you know, that's, that's two check boxes. You know, you can't have, people aren't going to, aren't, aren't able to say, Oh, it's been forever since the Phillies made the postseason, or it's been forever since they won a postseason game. There was a moment where I was like, this feels good enough. Then they won the division series. Mm -hmm. Now they got to win it all. <laughs> now it's, they did themselves no favor. Now the pressure's on like now Dombrowski, all gas, no breaks. <laughs> exactly. He's like, I, what, what do I have to wait for? Like, what am I doing? Nashville sounds aren't coming. Like, I don't know when that's uh, I, I, I got to wait for the next ownership group to like be uh, maybe involved in, in a New York times article. Like it's uh, we got a couple more years. He's just, Hey, I respect Dombrowski because if I was a GM, I think I would operate the same way as Dombrowski, mm -hmm. where I'm just like, what do I care? I might get fired tomorrow. I don't care about this development. I don't care about the tax or the money that this is going to be for our ownership group. No, I, I'm going to go try and win a title. Like, oh, uh, yeah. I'm, isn't it more fun to be a Red Sox fan with Dombrowski than Heim Bloom to this point? Like, I, I think I'd rather go Dombrowski. More fun, definitely. Yeah. I don't know if that's just my... my um like entire personal outlook at this point that I'm yeah. more, I'm more focused on what's going to happen tomorrow, not what's going to happen three years from now. Mm -hmm. But I, I definitely adopted more of a mindset like that. I've come off my, I, I, I really started to resent prospect hugging and, and considered, did not consider, you know, the, because of how few Unless prospects. Yeah. But I mean, for the Phillies, there were so mm -hmm. few success stories that I was like, I don't care who gets traded to bring in talent. That's ready to play today because mm -hmm. we just have not had, you know, the luck. And we've also had the dysfunction that provided that did not provide uh, the major league team with a steady pipeline of young talent to just come up even as just like role players, not even as like yeah. future stars. Uh, so I I've tried to I've tried to find some middle ground there. There are prospects that I'm excited to see. The Phillies still aren't like super loaded, but there's still young players in this system you know, the, the two near the top and Andrew Painter and Mick Abel, who like I, I do want to see. And I, I'm, I'm happy that the organization 
seems to value them as well, even at this trade deadline where they, they, you know, were it was in their best interest to be a little more aggressive. They were still like, we're not trading these guys. They actually had like a bunch of guys. They said they mm. weren't willing to trade. For some of those guys, that was just a lie to trick people. But <laughs> in some cases, I think it was it was genuine. Like we don't want to get, we don't want to lose these guys because we're simultaneously trying to contend and rebuild this farm system. And that will be a slow process. But uh, I I feel like that's they're finally moving in a better direction. Well, uh, building that way is just uh, like, if there's any indication that that is a foolproof plan, just look no further than the Kansas City Royals and Detroit Tigers. It always goes well when you just <laughs> just strap, just bring that thing down to next to nothing and then start up and just develop strictly through the farm and development. And then you're back. Like, hey, what do we have to lose is, is still is still the uh, mindset, I think. I mean, you know, you, you're the... There was a there was a couple of days after the Mariners made the postseason that the Phillies had the longest postseason drought in in all of baseball. Mm. And that's over now. And, you know, God only knows if this is the beginning of some kind of competitive era mm. or if it's just like, you know, a one off that uh, was a lot of fun. But uh, in either case, since we don't know the future, um, this is a this is this is a milestone season for the Philadelphia Phillies. And. You know, if Dombrowski does what he always does, then I can I can live with that. I mean, I'm like I'm like you, all gas, no brakes. It's how mm. I would run a team, and it's frankly how I drive as well. Incredibly dangerous. <laughs> it, <thing>. Lead foot, <laughs> Justin Clue. Uh, never would have guessed it. All gas, no brakes. See, that's not how I am as a driver. My wife hates it. She's just <laughs> my wife is a terrifying driver, and I'm just over here like 35. I I drive in a way where. Uh, Look, there's a reason that Ben Matlock is up here on on my board. I drive like a very old, uh, very old Atlanta lawyer, and <laughs> that is uh, that's my jam. I'm just listening to my podcast, listening to some ASMR campfire sounds. I'm riding around Knoxville, Tennessee, just uh, doing my own thing. I'm not a not an aggressive driver at all. Do you I listen just... to your own podcast while you're driving, and no. like notes about what you're going to change about the future. <laughs> no. I don't think so. But I will say, like, you have to, any new podcaster, some advice for you. You do need to listen to yourself to get used to hearing yourself because it's mm -hmm. going to sound so weird. And until you get over that, where you're like, I don't like listening to me talk, like, you got to, you got to get over that because it's just always going to be weird. And it's, yeah, <laughs> that is something you have to do starting out. But yeah, no, I'm not, not riding around. That would be weird. If you got in a car with someone and you're like, hey, well, I guess it's the same with music, right? If you're like, hey, I want you to listen to this new song and they're a musician and they're like, what do you think of? And you're like, this is weird. This is you. Do you just ride around listening to your own music all day? But I feel like musicians do, don't they? When you with guess. music, you could get away with just someone yeah. getting into the car and you put it on and you don't say anything. You're just like, <laughs> mm -hmm. here's some music. And then you can gauge their like uh, mm -hmm. more raw reaction. I feel like you can get away with that. If they get into a car and it's just you talking <laughs> about the Phillies, then yeah, it's going to be pretty like, what are we what are we doing, man? Like, <laughs> oh, I was a wor the worst person in my uh, my uh, early 20s of just my friends hated it because they get in my car if I was driving because they were like we're on the way to the bars at like midnight why are we listening to fresh air with Terry Gross like <laughs> the fuck Chase like <laughs> we're trying to get amped up to go into a bar and we're hearing a like a book review about somebody who like survived a genocide yeah <laughs> and I'm like this is important this could be like a cocktail conversation for you when you get up there this could be great Definitely. We're going to talk to people tonight who are absolutely going to be able to hear us, <laughs> let alone have a conversation on this subject. Yeah, no, that's what everyone wants. That's what everyone wants. Uh, that kind of conversation. Um, your prediction, Justin, as uh, we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon, do you think the Phillies ultimately win the series? And then 
if they get Yankees or Astros, who do you think they're better suited to win a seven-game series with in the, in the World Series? You know, we were making our predictions uh, about the NLDS on uh, on our show, which is a Phillies podcast, Hidden Season. And um, my co-host was actually like, ah, oh, but I'm going like, to go with the Braves on this. And I had to be like, hey, man. Good man. This is a, this is a Phillies show. You know, we, I picked the Phillies, by the way, on my show. I picked the Phillies. My friends hated it. And I was like, they, everyone was just so convinced. Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, and Braves. I'm like, that's not how Major League Baseball postseasons work. Like, that's not, that's too clean. We're not getting Braves, Dodgers again, and then Yankees, Astros again. One of these two is getting split up. Like, I don't know who it is. And I just, I was like, I feel like the Braves are the most likely of the group to get bounced. And I just... I went with the Braves. I hated it, and I, it, it is what it is. But I, I backed your Phillies. Well, I'm. This is not a Braves exclusive podcast. Mm. Our show is it like about be. the Phillies. So picking against the Phillies seemed, I don't know, counterproductive to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at this point, like, how can I? Uh, you know, I, if I wanted to be objective about it, I would have to say they would have less of a chance. They have less of a chance against either of the American League teams they would potentially face in the World Series than they do against the Padres. I'm still confident about this series. Uh, Last night was an annoying loss, but it was also kind of tragically familiar in that Mm. the problems that surfaced are problems that we've seen before uh, and not particularly welcome. So it was very it was frustrating, but it also just was exactly what they did with Atlanta. They won the first game. They lost the second game and on the road. I'm, all you can ask is that they win one of those two games before they come home for three. Uh, so I still see them beating the Padres. Uh, I don't think the Padres like successfully recaptured a ton of momentum. And I think they're a very similar team to the Phillies uh, in that they can lose. They, they can beat you just about anyway. They can lose just about anyway as well. Uh, so uh, I feel like these three games at home could be it. I feel like maybe they go back to San Diego for one more, but the Phillies can win there too. So I think coming home is uh, a, a huge boost for this Phillies team, a huge advantage for them. So hopefully they can wrap it up at home. But if not, I, I feel like I feel confident they can go back to San Diego and, and pick up whatever wins they have to. In the World Series, like I said, I'm less I'm less encouraged, uh, but I do think that the Yankees are a more flawed team than um, people think of them in this postseason. We know there was a, a stretch this year where they were particularly frustrating. Aaron Judge just like wasn't hitting a home run every time he was at bat and got booed mm-hmm. off the field. You know they are they are also capable of uh, of of not coming through. So you know I, I'm hesitant to make a prediction there, but. I'll just, yeah, I'll just land on that. I am less confident about a victory against either of those teams than I am against the Padres and the NLCS. There you go. Padres fans. That is Justin Clue. Uh, Justin Clue, who predicted with confidence that uh, his Phillies will be taking care of the Padres. All Not five concerned. of you Padres fans from that video. Wow. Yeah, that's all of them. Right? right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Justin, how do the good folks check out your work over at Baseball Pro and the podcast and everything else this week? Yeah, uh, Baseball Prospectus. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of the recaps and previews for the playoffs, uh, have been and will continue to do as the playoffs go on. Um, and uh, as far as podcasts go, yeah, we're over on the Good Fight podcast family uh, of shows. We do Hit and Season, we do Continued Success, and we do The Dirty Inning, which is a show about the dumbest, funniest, and most obscure innings in Philadelphia Phillies history, and it's a lot of fun. 
we go. Justin, good luck the rest of the way. Feels gross saying that, but good luck the rest <laughs> yeah, of the way. I saw that full body shiver just went through you. Yeah, I didn't like it. Uh, thanks so much, my friend. And let's not make it three years uh, before next uh, podcast. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.